Welcome to the Phase World Podcast. Engaging conversations that cross the boundaries between business, art, and the digital world. Increasingly, I feel like it's the conversations that matter, right? And the listening that is actually more important now. I think I realized that journey is a lot longer and the conversations and the articulating those things and refining that, it takes a long time and it's a lot harder. Part of my realm is that I have a mid-level explore capacity and a high-level excite capacity. So I view a lot of what I do is like getting people excited about stuff. And so if it's not clear and it's not connecting with people, it drives me crazy. I feel like there's always transitions, right? I think the transitions I go through a lot are, it feels like I don't know they're happening all the time, right? I think that's what's... Mm -hmm running your own business like I feel like you just you don't know what you don't know and so you're surprised mm-hmm. or things happen mm-hmm. and and you don't have a boss or you know a good boss who's giving you some sort of perspective right there's lots of questions a lot of times and so hi everyone this is Fei Wu and I am your host for the Face World podcast this week, I would like to welcome Jason Smith to Face World. Jason is the managing director and founder at OHO Interactive, a thriving, curious, creative team of 30 strategists, creatives, and developers solving business problems in the digital space. Jason and I connected via LinkedIn in 2012. Over the years, we exchanged ideas on project management, digital strategy, and growing talents. Finally, in May 2016, together with the VP of Operations at OHO, Stephanie Kroll, we found just the perfect project for us to work on. Over the past three months, I grew closer to the entire OHO team and had the opportunity to speak with everyone in the company. I also developed a tremendous appreciation for founders and understanding for the decisions they have to make, the challenges they have to overcome on a regular basis. So I welcome Jason to open up about his philosophy in running his organization. While we're at it, I took Jason back to where it all began in 1998, 18 years ago, when OHO was just starting up. What was it like to run a company in the late 90s? Jason demystifies the process and shared some of the most important lessons learned. With a degree in English from Brown University and a degree in design from RISTI, Jason can brand, construct, and market an experience or a product that enables him to quickly engage with clients and understand their business objectives. He believes that every project brings a myriad of possibilities. And our podcast speaks to a much related belief, which is that Jason also believes that every person brings a unique set of skills and values to the team. To me, one attribute that stands out the most for Jason is the beacon of clarity. Jason speaks with great clarity, always, which to me isn't only an ability, but a choice. 
Clarity with confidence, knowledge, perhaps timing too, is a crucial ingredient in any business settings, yet it's often missing. Last but not least, I invited Jason to talk about his family, his three children who are completely different from one another, and the most important thing he wants to pass on. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode of Face World. For more stories on leadership, entrepreneurship, agency, and digital media, please visit faceworld.com. Without further ado, please welcome Jason Smith to the Face World podcast. Jason Smith, I've known you for, I feel like a long time. I keep telling everybody since 2012. And uh, I finally had the pleasure to work at OHO and I've had a blast. And I'm just so thrilled to have you. So welcome to Phase World. Thank you. Great to be here. (laughs) I know, I feel like I know a lot about OHO, but I really want my listeners to hear from you directly on what OHO is about and the client base and the philosophy and strategy. Sure. So we're an interactive firm. Uh, We've been around for 18 years. I started... Uh, back in 1998. We're about 30 people, and uh, our focus is really focused on fixing big website messes. So we work a lot with folks who have big content problems usually, and they really need to come in and find a way to straighten that up for their users. And so we think a lot about customer journey and how people move through that process. And we think a lot about their content and how to restructure that. And our overall goal is really to kind of create yeah, a better experience for them, but also something that helps companies become more successful in the digital realm. Nice. Wow. That, that's a very concise uh, answer. Usually. That's good. We worked really, really hard to, <laughs> to finally get that. So. Um, you know what I just found out, thinking about the fact that OHO was founded in 98, that's also when the first Google office opened. I did not know that. Yeah, I just looked it up because, wow. what, yeah, what I was thinking is since OHO has always been in the digital space, but surprisingly, you know, as of 96, 97, I think only 43 million of the people in the U.S. Uh-huh. had computers. And out of that, I think only 17 million had regular internet access. Compared to the rest of the world, I mean, it's like next to none. Right, yeah. Um, So what was it like to be, I think, one of the first people to kind of start thinking about interactive, digital media? And what was it like back in 98? Hmm, That's a great question. So I was a print designer before. I remember using really rudimentary tools to, like, write HTML and tables. So if people still... (laughs) Today in the office, I have to make an email where they need a table. I'm, I can troubleshoot that for them. Yeah, I think it was different. Like, I think about stuff we thought about then was, like, bandwidth. Like, people used to think about dial-up. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were in Cambridge, so we had high-speed with a cable modem, which was a big deal. Um, but I think, you know, we thought a lot more about bandwidth. And we, we thought a lot about how to actually just make something look okay on the web, right? We didn't think a lot about what the content was or what the structure was. Like, mm-hmm. it was a lot about making it functionally work. I think about how how different that is even today to what we're looking at and how we do things. And, you know, we have a client who we're redoing a site for, and, and we started with them five years ago. We built a huge site, and we're redoing the site. And I think realizing the second time around how much we've changed, how much mm-hmm. more we think about content and and not just getting something into a content management system you know five years ago that was a big deal to get it in something that was usable and workable and how much better the technology is now around mm-hmm. all that i think your background is really unique you start 
talking about design and the fact that, you know, I've, I've known you for a while. Mm-hmm. I read your LinkedIn profile, and uh, and very quickly after that, I've forgotten. The way I look at you, you're a digital strategist. You know, you're leading a lot of the sales opportunities. Yep. Um, but your background, actually, you graduated with a degree in English from Brown. Yep. And you also had a degree from RISD. I remember when I graduated, I felt like I remember having a conversation with someone who was a couple of years older than me and saying, like, you know, I really mm-hmm. want to be a bridge person. And I thought that, you know, I would be in some sort of like arts administration or do something like that. And as a kid, I geeked out on like, I used to build haunted houses. So I think about in my basement, I told someone that and they thought it was a little weird, but I think it's a lot about experience, right? Like I thought a lot about how do people experience spaces? And then I used to play Clue and I thought I love the board game in Clue. Mm-hmm. And so I used to draw houses and I would make these like houses that, would, that kind of felt like they were sort of like Clue because they had all these like amazing big rooms that I would never have in a house that I had like a billiards room and a swimming pool. And um, But I loved doing that sort of stuff. And then doing sort of design and photography was sort of self-taught for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had an English degree and I think I, I, I learned, I taught at Milton Academy for a summer and did newspaper it was a taught a newspaper class and so i basically helped people helped lay out the publication and i'd done that newspaper in my high school i was the editor i'd run publications on campus at brown um, but i think i stayed up all night one night publishing and one night i realized like oh i think i'd rather stay up all night designing than i would writing at that point and so that was a point where i was like okay i'm gonna go do that after i graduate mm. and so i just remember actually there is that Interesting. I forgot the name of the degree, but because Brown is so close to RISD, you can yeah. literally you get a joint degree. Yeah, is that yeah. what you end up doing? I didn't. I just uh-huh. I uh, I have my my degrees from Brown, and I took I, we could take courses and cross register, and mm-hmm. I loved RISD, and I think they worked a lot harder than the Brown students did. I was like, holy cow! <laughs> I heard. I heard. They they drink a lot of coffee and smoke a lot of cigarettes and stay up a lot later than we did, working mm-hmm. really hard on stuff. That's what I heard. Um, as I'm writing down Brown and Risty for the like tenth time, I realize it's kind of it's kind of strange for me because there's so many Brown alumni on Face World. And oh, this really? Is not planned, but and then so many. I literally a couple of days ago I interviewed um, Anne Spalter, who graduated a few years before you did, and okay. uh, she's also this joint degree of Brown and Risty. It's like yeah. deja vu, but. <laughs> Let's talk about the haunted houses for a second. Because sure. Halloween is just right around the corner. Yes, sure. <laughs> so how old were you and how did you build it? Did you invite uh, kids we, over? No, we would just, we would, we would like set up experiences. So we would like, you know, put a pump, put a flashlight in one of those plastic pumpkins and we'd put it through the rafters. You know, we had a, you know, our basement was a newer house. So it had things where we could put ropes and we'd put up cords and peel grapes and you know, stick them in something and, uh, you know, we would drop things from the ceiling, you know, on a line after they walk by or we put the tape measure out on the floor and like tape things to it. And then, you know, it makes a rattling noise when you reel it back in. So like we would just, I don't know, we would just do stuff like that. So, but I think, you know, it's, it was about like coming up with creative things to do and then making that happen. You know, speaking of experiences, I feel like what's really obvious to me that in a way, because I have freelance and consulted at, at several agencies at this point, what I enjoy the most is the fact that there is an experience for me as well at OHO here at Davis mm-hmm, Square. Mm-hmm. And not to mention the location is really unique. You know, it's kind of this 
to me, it's this hip, you know, unexpected. I feel like every time I walk down the street somewhere, yeah. I feel like I'm really familiar with this area. And yet I find a new shop somewhere yeah. and a really funky store. Yeah. But also there's uh, something that you really encourage and promote, which is the Friday lunch and learn. Yep. There's amazing meals, not to make everybody jealous here, but meals served every Friday where the teams are encouraged to kind of go up there, present, share their projects their experience at, you know, recent events. And yeah. so was that curated on purpose? Is something that you thought about as well? Yeah, I think that, I think what's great about being a, you know, owning my own business and especially at this stage, like I feel like we're, we're getting to the point where I think I'm really seeing how people, how everyone brings different gifts and what we need, right? Like when you start out on your own, like it's, I feel like, you know, you're doing everything. Like I mm-hmm. did the books and I wrote, you know, checks and I signed up for phone service and I, you know, bought the computer and then I printed stuff <laughs> and I went to the FedEx, right? Like someone does, you know, you do all of that stuff and people take on parts of that over time. And, and I think the, the last part has really felt like the creative part, right? Or the the solution itself, right? And, I, you know, I think just in this last year of just really seeing more people having more to offer and, and contributing really in a, as a team in a way that is it feels really unique, right? It feels like, I mean, it's not unique, but it feels new mm-hmm. um, in the sense of like, you know, I think being like, hey, I think we should go this way and the team has better, you know, has better ideas, right? Like they come back with like crazy stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're thinking about marketing ideas this week and someone's like, we should make a board game about building a website and all the problems that happen. I was like, what a great idea. Like, that's totally fun, <laughs> right? Like we should uh, increasingly finding ways to take those things that people are excited about and be mm-hmm. like, great, let's use that over here, right? And mm-hmm. so I think pointing people in the right direction, like we had mm-hmm. one of our developers come to a, with this like, cool new like video CSS thing that he could do. And he's like, I just put this together. I think it's really cool. And we're like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so we said, let's use that for this presentation that we're going to do. Like, I think that's a great idea. So someone went and shot some drone video, someone else put it together, someone wrote a script for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we spent a little bit of time and like mocked up a prototype, right? But I think those lunches are an opportunity for, you know, people to bring stuff out that they're learning and see things and get conversations going. New ideas come out of that and keeps us, moving forward, but it also helps us find out what people are really excited about. Mm. And uh, I feel very much the same way because um, the presentation that you weren't able to attend uh-huh. last week while you're out, you know, something I said from the bottom of my heart as I started this project, because the fact that I am here to uh, not only to aggregate information, but also introduce a new way of potentially working together and everybody from the get-go you know, one-on-one interview with everyone, the consensus is like, that's great. You know, the one thing they said is they're so, so grateful that Mm. the leadership team decided to invite someone in and try to make everybody's lives better and work better together. And I was somehow so surprised to hear that instead of um, what I prepared myself for, some level of resistance, Mm. you know. Yeah. And uh, they were very excited. And at the same time, I got to say, just, was it yesterday or the day before? Um, the Red Sox game yeah. as a company event that I was also so lucky to be invited to. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting because typically I've never really been a huge fan of corporate events, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> big or small, like whether it's go out to a bar or dinner mm-hmm. or these social events, because it's always been so awkward. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact that everybody has kind of reserved and, you know, is like trying to, med- I don't even drink. So I watch people kind of go through phases of the, Drunkness, it's kind of <laughs> hilarious. Um, but I have to say that 
at that event, we were there together for hours, and I just really see how everybody's just so relaxed, having a conversation. Right. Nobody's intimidated by the fact that you know we're not necessarily like baseball fans. All of us. Right. I remember people explaining the like how it all works together, and just start laughing. So you know, it's an environment. Has it always been this way? Do you do you feel like there's some some changes, some transitions that you've encountered, sort of kind of cultivate this culture? Personally, I think. I'm motivated and excited about. I like working in a small, like committed group, right? So to go back to my earlier days, right? Like I used to do, used to do theater too, like, but I did the tech side of theater, right? And I and I loved, I like that experience of working really hard, working really long hours, mm-hmm. working, but with like a small team for like a very intense period of time, right? Like I just I liked that small team experience or my dad was a television director. And so we, he produced and directed television commercials. And so in the summers when I was in high, starting high school, I worked for him and I would go do grunt work and move stuff around. And the days are long and it's intense, but I really, I like the kind of small team kind of committed and loyal and kind of working together. Right. And so I think that feels personally satisfying to me. And so I think I kind of want that experience. Um, I like being helpful. I like being useful. I like thinking deeply about a problem. And I like having people like that on our team, right? And I think our team is, you know, I think we look for really smart people that are, our people are really focused on like, how do we make it excellent? And and, and are, can they really think about the nuance of the problem, right? And I think, mm-hmm. I think that's what gets people together, right? And so there's friction in that sometimes and people see the problem differently or see the solution differently. And that's part of the, the process. But I think in general, people really try and get at like, what is the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what, what gets people together, right? Like they're, they're, they're kind of constantly problem solving, not just the problem of like, what did we get hired to do, but the problem of getting the project done and the problem of mm-hmm. getting along with everyone and the problem that the client has about that other person who's a real, really not on the page, right? And how do we get them all together, right? And, and I think our team's really good at figuring out all that stuff. Mm-hmm together and, and, and they enjoy that experience right like I think they're respectful of one another and they value um, that people are doing it and that I think that's what why people do it and and I like it right I feel like I want to come to work and have fun with the people and laugh a lot and mm-hmm. um, you know and I think we're, we're all just trying to you know do what's right in the midst of that so. that I've seen, uh, which is, uh, I don't know who quoted you, is every project, you believe every project brings a myriad of possibilities. And what you just described is, I think you believe every person brings just that as well. Sure, yeah. 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 So I find that you're very for forgiving uh, as well. So I think that gives people an opportunity mm. to to fail, um, even though the intentions are very good. So they fail without feeling that they will be punished because they try something new or they they felt the need to, to speak up. Right. Um, 
And this morning I got an email uh, from LMB. I'm a huge fan of Seth Godin. And yeah. <laughs> the subject line says, you know, office politics. And, and I started reading. I realized that just the politics here is something that's so minimum that I, I can barely even identify. I, I can't stand politics. Yeah. Here. You know, and I, I remember just at the Red Sox game, one of the, the people mentioned that, you know, the client was going, one of the clients going through a tough day. And, you know, he or she probably complained to him. But yet, you know, even though it's a lot to take in, but the moment that he's with the team at Ojo again, he just felt like it wasn't a big deal. So there's something to be said about that. Because to me, through my careers of working in, you know, 10 plus years in agencies is when the clients are being difficult or unreasonable. And when you hang up the phone, you come to an environment where people are not being supportive, but rather finding opportunities to offend you then. It's a very, it's a very, very different environment. I think at the end of the day, we all need to feel safe, yeah. and in order yeah. to deliver. Yeah. And I feel like that's how, how I feel here, and I feel like that's how definitely most people feel as well. So yeah, it sucks to feel like, <laughs> yeah, your boss isn't with you, or someone's gonna, mm-hmm. you know, get your back, right? And and I think you're right. Like I think there's lots of ways to solve problems, and. Yeah, figure out like what is what's the right thing, like what's really going on underneath here, right? Like mm-hmm. so someone's mad about something or a client's mad about something, right? It's not just that thing, but like let's go talk it out, right? Like mm-hmm. we try not to brush stuff under the rug. Right? right. And being able to talk about all that stuff I think is right, it makes it feel safer, right? Because you don't feel like Mm-hmm. You're going to be surprised about something. Um, yeah, I think also coming out of this type of environment, you become a better person. And I don't mean to kind of throw this umbrella sure. um, statement because a lot of what you described is also valid for relationships. Yeah. You know, uh, romantic, really, non romantic relationships is, you know, people don't hold something against you where you feel that you're not safe in that relationship. So right. um, I've constantly seen, you know, Stephanie is a good example when. Um, you know, something doesn't quite go as planned and she immediately triages and then she kind of just be there yeah. Uh, for, yeah. for the team. So I can um, talk a little bit more about you because when we quote unquote prepped for this interview, you mentioned the word transitions and that sure. literally piqued my interest. Okay. And you're like, I'm not sure, but I, I, I'm a strong believer. And as I'm learning in the past two years of just talking to people between the age of literally 17 to 60, yeah. um, that I've learned that all of us are going through transitions. Yeah. And it's really uncomfortable sometimes. So what are some of the transitions have you experienced? Uh, <laughs> transitions. Yeah. I feel like there's there's always transitions, right? Like I think, I think the transitions I go through a lot are, it feels like I don't know they're happening all the time, right? I think that's what's, mm-hmm. I think, running your own business like I feel like you just you don't know what you don't know like and so you're surprised Mm -hmm. or things happen Mm -hmm. and and you don't have a boss or you know a good boss who's giving you some sort of perspective right Mm -hmm. Um, and saying like oh this is what's happening or that's going to be okay right you're like I don't know is that going to be okay like I think there's lots of questions a, a, a lot of times and so so where do you seek advice from I realize that's one tough question for a lot of the CEOs out there it's really hard. I would yeah. say, um, yeah, I think find. I think that's one thing I've been looking more for, right, is actually thinking about how can I peers at some level, right? And mm-hmm. so I think finding people who are in who are in business, other people that run other agencies or you know digital companies, right? And I think I've been married as long as I've had my business, right, or almost as long. And you know, I think 
my wife is great, but I think it's hard for her even to understand everything, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's just, right? Like, there's just something about she works for a big company, right? Which where there's lots of politics where I'm like, why do you BCC people? I don't understand that, <laughs> right? Like, there's like a whole like culture that I was like, I don't even understand that part. But I think that, you know, like, I think just, you know, and, and she's been with me and super supportive. And I think that's, but I think there's just something different about like just all the dynamics of like all the different hats that, that at one level, like pitching a client and then, mm-hmm. you know, triaging a project and then, you know, someone's pissed off in the office, right? Like mm-hmm. you just, there, there are seasons where things are growing really, really, you know, there's just a lot, right? And you think, I can't believe I'm having this conversation, right? Like, <laughs> but you're just, you're like, you're wearing an HR hat and you're wearing this hat, right? And I think seasons come and go, right? But I think that those are just exhausting times too, right? And there's a lot. So I think finding people who are like, you know, in a similar role to me, I think are really is really helpful. That's That's been the most helpful, I would say. I think I'm looking for some more of those right now. I think this year has been, that was one of my goals, which I'm not going to achieve of, of finding more like-minded people. I know it can be really tough because as I'm just kind of running through the list of people I respect and consider as mentors, there's something very different about the position you're in, which you found at the company. Right. And um, I don't like to use the word baby because I feel like it's, you know, it, you can't let go. And, yeah. um, but it's very different than, someone who's managing an office like appointed and were uh, who's accountable yeah. by um basically their titles they're put in that position yeah. versus you created this right. opportunity so yeah it can be tough um well can you post it i'll be very interested yeah. in you know who you sure. find are as peers sure. but also in the season of you know where we are in Boston, MIT. I feel like every time I pick up the newspaper, rarely now, but <laughs> <laughs> when I'm online, I feel like there's so many startups and people talking about starting up companies. The entrepreneurs and and there's a lot of that in conversations day to day. So a lot of those people haven't really spoken with someone who have done sure. this in the past. So yeah. could you help us like kind of demystify the startup like? start a process where running a company? What are some of the misconceptions? Um, something that comes to mind, right, is is the, at some level, I think the actual work is not usually the hard part. So like whatever you're making or doing or service you're providing, usually you're, you have some competency, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, if you're programming something new or you're coming with it, we're like, Presumably, you have some sense of like skill in doing mm-hmm. that, right? So, uh, as a graphic designer, like I had some sense of skill of like actually doing this stuff, and I could make something that people liked, mm-hmm. right? That is not the hard part, right? Mm-hmm. Like the hard part is how do you grow that business? Like, what mm-hmm. do people want? How do you get people to know about you, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. there's all the other stuff around the business that you you have to figure out, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the stuff that feels you know, at one level hard, right? It's how do you, how does all this stuff happen? Like we have some new kind of sort of servicey product stuff we're thinking about right now. And it's the same thing, right? Like delivering that is not actually hard. Like the technology, not rocket science, right? Mm-hmm. Like things that have been around, but it's the application and the use and the, you know, we talk a lot about customer journey for our clients. Like I think for us, it's what do people really want? Increasingly, I feel like it's the conversations that matter, right? And the listening that is actually more important now. So like we're just taking calls with people that might use the thing we're doing just to listen and be like, mm-hmm. how would this work? And what would that look like? And you realize, yeah, well, they might be interested in the idea, but they it would take two years for them to buy something because they would have to bring like 
people from all different divisions in to talk about that. Mm -hmm. So, or, yeah, that's really interesting, but they would never spend that much money on it, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like, trying to find out, like, what is it that's really interesting? And so that research part, which I think is really interesting to me, is also frustrating to me, too, mm -hmm. because why don't you just get it? Like, this totally would work. And, and I know, like, if we used it, we would have an impact. Mm -hmm. But how do you bring people along in that, right? And how do you educate people? And mm -hmm. uh, and I like that part. I like that education part. I, I just, you know, I think I realized that journey is a lot longer. And the conversations and the articulating those things and refining that is just a lot it takes a long time and that's a lot harder. I find it kind of a similar experience also creating my own tiny little project yeah. um, compared to, you know, what you're describing as a company. But there are times where you feel like you're just propelling forward and you're accelerating. And there are times that you're like, what, well, this is going to work. That makes total sense to this small four or five of us. But to kind of introduce to an agency, you know, even at a scale of 25 to 30 people, there's going to be some level of healthy resistance, you know, sort of doubts to say, okay, let's talk about this as a team. Right. And there are moments, I think it's natural, there's that two steps forward, one step back. And, yeah. um, you know, and that's why I feel like I appreciate the fact that um, that's something you realize. And when we had this hall hallway conversation, you said, well, you know, you need buy-in. So let's, yeah. it's okay to kind of um, pause for a moment, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things we did is we, you know, offsite planning and, and revisioning and restructuring of, of us this year. I'm, I found myself sort of through the sort of structure we're looking at people are like, well, you're really in this kind of visionary role, which I, I don't tend to view myself as a visionary. Uh, I tend to, I feel like I'm a little too tactical and practical and, but I do, I do have a, you know, I, I think increasingly that was helpful for me at one level to say like, oh, there's actually, I actually have a vision of where we can go. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like learning about how do I, how do I develop those ideas? How do I, you know, this year has been a lot more thinking about, great, well, here's an idea, here's a vision, like, what do I do? How do I write that up? How do I propose it? How do I work mm -hmm. that through? How do I then bring that to our leadership team and get more input? And then being able to hear, like, they don't think that's really going to work, right? Like, I think mm -hmm. that's part of it. You're like, okay, like, let's table that, right? Or we'll, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, and, and part of my job is trying to figure out where are we headed? What's it worth investing in? And mm -hmm. what what new things are happening or what new direction should we be? But, you know, being able to realize, well, maybe one of the 10 ideas is good, mm -hmm. right? And is worth pursuing and worth going after and has traction.
So w when I was interviewing uh, a bunch of 18-year-old at New North High School, and the art teachers, oh, well, the students actually reflected upon the one thing they learned the most from that class is hold your ideas loosely. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I noticed that's kind of um, what you're describing here, and I, it's a very powerful thing. And another gift I find in you is, uh, better said, it, it to be, you know, a beacon of clarity, because what I... <laughs> I know it sounds like almost like a punch in the face, but what I love the most about the point of clarity is I've worked in on many projects and bigger agencies yeah. where clarity is that one thing that's missing. And it's, I oftentimes find myself to be in the room holding a marker to say, I think that's what you said. I'm going to write down exactly. And it actually helps. That's not what I meant. And that's, you know, let's use this word instead. Let's try something like that. But oftentimes it's, uh, there's a lot of confusion However, whenever we communicated, you know, whether it's about this project yeah. or others, I, I never hung up the phone or like finished the email. So I, I think I need to kind of dissect that message and manipulate it somehow to right. actually get it. Right. So I love that level of transparency. Is, is that something that, have you always been that way or are you? So I view, well, I would say, yes, I probably, I have low tolerance for like a <laughs> lack of clarity. So, I, which doesn't mean that I have a low tolerance. So I, uh, you know, over the course of the years, like I have a business coach that I work with, I have, you know, I think have had a variety of assessments, right? And and I think part of my realm is that I have a mid-level explore capacity <laughs> and a high-level excite capacity. So I view a lot of what I do is like getting people excited about stuff. Mm -hmm. And so if it's not clear and it's not connecting with people, it drives me crazy. So I think uh, I would say that's that's an area where I feel like you know, getting something done, like, why are we here? What are we talking about? Where are we going? What is really the problem? And that can sound, when I say it that way, it sounds like I'm impatient around that. And I probably am a little bit impatient, but I'm also willing to be like, let's go through the nuance of this problem, right? Like, so it's not, mm -hmm. I'm not uh, legalistic or firm in that way, but it is really trying to say like, well, okay, that's true. But I also think this is true. Like, what is that tension? And, mm. and, and how do we resolve that tension, right? Mm. And saying, we really need to make the right choice and, and let's let's have a conversation about that. Um, I have limited explore capacity. Like, I like to explore a little bit. I will not go for like two weeks and think about something. Like, mm. like I need to I need to explore it and do it and work it out. And then frankly, I need to present it, right? And that's yeah. that's kind of how I work, right? And so in part because I think that's how we are as a company, right? And, and now I try and bring more people in doing that, right? So that they get a feel for what it's really like to work with us. Yeah, I, I want to be clear. Like, I want people to leave and know, like, this is what I should do, mm -hmm. right? Learning that skill over 15 years takes a long time, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it takes getting burned, right? Like, there's mm -hmm. certainly times when I did not give enough feedback and I was not clear enough because I was afraid or I didn't want to tell someone mm -hmm. that's not right, right? Even though I knew in my gut it wasn't right. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, learned by paying the price by taking it to a client and then the client being like, that's not right. And I'm being like, mm, yeah, that's not right. <laughs> and then I have to go back, right? So you feel like, great, I was afraid to tell somebody who worked for me that it wasn't good enough or it wasn't in the right direction or mm -hmm. it was missing some tone, right? And so, and being able to, to understand that and be clear and reflect that back, like I think people feel like, okay, you get us. Like, I think that's really helpful for people. Um, you remind me, reminded me of these moments where uh, some of the, the guests on the show, I have never even met in person still. Really? And okay. yeah, it's crazy. We're on Skype. And then you see them lean forward and say, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody. <laughs> and we're like, well, you know, we're recording this, right? It's going to go live. But they're like, no, this is really worthwhile. A lot of that has to do with 
you know, transition startups may sincerely want to say to make this episode worth, to make people's time worthwhile. Yeah. I want to share this. And I love that. I, uh, we have five, 10 minutes left. Sure. And uh, we, we talked about parenthood a little bit too. And uh, I feel like it wouldn't be fair to kind of, and those are, there's so many parallels to what you described that clarity and, um, you know, trust and loyalty. And I remember growing up, the one thing I struggled um, when I was really young, so I had to read my parents and they're really talented, successful people. There were yeah. there moments that I felt like I didn't quite get them. And it was really difficult for a six-year-old to have to read adults. And yeah. so I know you have three kids and I'm going to, uh, yeah. their ages, I don't want to kind of. 15, 12, and nine. Okay. That's Two boys and a girl. Wow. So, you know, you've been very busy running your company. Yeah. I work long hours and, uh, what has sort of parenthood kind of, how has it weaved into um, running a company? And I've seen two of your children at this point running around the office. I do. I bring them here occasionally. <laughs> uh, which occasionally they love and other times they don't like. So, um, I don't know. It, it changes all the time, right? Like, so lots of our staff who are, you know, eight, ten years younger than me right? Have young kids now, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, oh my gosh, it's so exhausting. Like, how did I make it through that? Right? Like, how did I, how did I sleep? Right? And I tell people, I say, you know, my, I didn't drink a lot of coffee until I had kids. And, and I, and I didn't think that it was really about the caffeine, but it probably was, but, but it was like my private space. It was like, my coffee was like, this is my little world. And like, I'm so exhausted. It's like my own, it's like a little crutch. Right. And so like, that was like, I'm going to go have my coffee. And that's just, that's for me, if no one else is having it. Right. And I think it was, that was exhausting. So, I, I mean, but I love, I, I totally love being a, a parent. So I like, I leave, I don't, I do pickups. So I leave every day at by five usually. Um, and I do drop offs in the morning and I do all the cooking in our house. So, so if we cook, if we're going to have dinner, I'm cooking. So, um, and uh, my wife uh, will, she occasionally cooks, but um, I think I, you know, I do all the grocery shopping and all the cooking. And so I think, I think that's really important to me. I think having dinner together has been really important. We've been a little off schedule recently with new sports schedules and everyone starting school. So I think I, I miss that. And I feel like it helps me stay grounded and it helps our family connect. So I, I really appreciate that. And I, I like cooking too. I also feel like uh, I tend to be, it tends to feel like I can, it's, it's, I would say at this point, it's my hobby, right? So I feel like I can, do something that I feel in control of and I feel like it's just me and I don't have to listen to anybody else. Is it like meditation? It is, it's slightly it? meditative, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and people have learned not in the last 10 minutes before I'm trying to get to dinner at the table like ask me questions like that are really important or ask me to do anything that like will require like me to remember that later. Like, it's a bad time. It's a bad time. I'm impressed because running a company and having to run to a grocery store at five o'clock, which I have experienced. Oh, I shop only once a week. Oh. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. No, 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 I don't shop. No, no, that, that would not work. <laughs> then I occasionally stop and pick something up on the way home as I'm like walking to my car here. But uh, what are the things, one of my favorite questions for yeah. parents is, what is that you would like to leave for your children that's not money? You know, what are the things that you, that are most important for you to distill in them? Um, I think I want my kids to understand, like, sort of what they've been given in life, right? And I want them to know that they're, they're loved and that, that they're unique and that God's made them each uniquely and that their passions, right, are, are different, right? And I think it's amazing to me to see that my kids are, my oldest son loves to fish. I mean, he loves it. And I remember 
the first time we went fishing, he was watching this cartoon called Caillou, which is on PBS. When, you know, I was in some early morning sleep-deprived state, and he watched this, and they went fishing, and he's like, I want to do that this weekend. He's probably like five or six or seven, something like that. And so we were going to the Cape, and so we got, I had an old fishing rod there, and we, like, went fishing, right? He loves it. It's like he he watches fishing videos. Like, when you're like, what are you watching on YouTube? Fishing videos, right? He gets, like, the Bass Pro catalog. Like, I like fishing okay. I never really had done it, but he loves it. Like, it's his thing that he's passionate about. And he just, like, there's these moments when you realize, like, my child is, it's like, where he's totally different. Like, you you kind of think, like, oh, maybe you'll be into the things that I was into, like building haunted houses or photography or drawing architecture. Like, my kids don't really do that, right? Like, they, but they have their own, these own passions. And, like, my other son is, like, super competitive, right? And I'm super competitive, too, but he, like, super super commit like and he wants to be better and he'll like go train he'll like go hit baseballs and he'll go running like he'll come back from school and he'll be like i'm going running and i'm like that's like <laughs> that i don't run and that is weird to me right and i just yeah. think like when you start realizing like your children are just they're totally different my daughter i think she has a vision right like she's like a, the creative genius in our family right and she just she comes home and she's like i had a vision and then she'll like she'll go away for an hour and just be totally quiet and work on something right and i think it's just so fascinating to me, like how they're totally different, right? And how, mm-hmm. and wanting them to really know, like I want them to know that they're they're different that way. But I think I also want them to know, like think about having someone live with us who you know is uh, seeking asylum right now, and 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 I have them be part of our house, right? And I felt like our lives are more than just the stuff that we have and the jobs that we do. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I was telling you that I, I think I heard this quote recently, which I thought was helpful to me. It was like. You know, in the end, all you have are kind of the stories, right? And kind of the people in those stories and the way I would extend that. And I think that that feels true, right? Like, I think, yeah, like the work passes away. You know, I think, you know, we were um, somewhere with, you know, some folks in our company, right? And you just you realize, like, you know, it's the stories about the stuff that's happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, the project's gone. It's over. It's probably not even up anymore, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, the stories that we have about, like, traveling to the client and, like, you know, the nightmares that we had and the, you know, working late on something and, you know, just the kind of that sort of stuff and the the connections that we have with the people. I think those things are really important. I love that. Wow. I was completely absorbed into this (laughs) just thinking, yeah. I couldn't end on a better note. And I was also thinking that we need to translate the parenthood part in Chinese because so many Chinese parents are struggling to kind of separate themselves from their kids. And my mom is kind of has been a pretty severe example. It's always we, we like she never saw. She still hasn't really seen us as two separate like individuals. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody is different. And yeah. also just um the culture and just being the only child. Unfortunately, I'm the only child. Uh, okay. It's more fun when you're a kid, you grow, everything was for you. But now as I get older, I don't think any of the materialistic stuff matters to me anymore. It's a freedom, it's creativity. But this is so wonderful, Disney. Thank okay. you so much. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Good to talk. To listen to more episodes of the Face World podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or visit faceworld.com. That is F-E-I-S-W-O-R-L-D, where you can find show notes, links, other tools, and resources. You can also follow me on Twitter at Face World. Until next time, thanks for listening.